Have you ever heard anyone say, well, bless their heart? Truly, God does want to bless your heart. We think that blessings are all about the stuff we have or the education or maybe it's even the power or authority that we have or the impact that we have because we are some big person or they can uh, deal with things and tell people where to get off and all those kind of things. But the blessings of God are so much deeper and profound than that. It goes so far beyond the material and the physical and possessions and things. It goes straight to the heart of the matter. Truly, God does want to bless your heart. And that is why you are so blessed. My name is Trey Rhodes, and I'm the Connections Pastor at Northwood Baptist Church in in uh, North Charleston, South Carolina. So great to have you along and listening, and whether you're listening uh, from around the world or either one of our Life Connection Group leaders, you are welcome here on the audio study guide as we prepare our hearts and prepare our minds and prepare to teach the Word of God. So I challenge you, if you want to start a small group, this would be a great opportunity. We're beginning the book of Ephesians today. What an opportunity you have maybe if you're not in a small group, to start a small group and invite people to come. Use this audio study guide. And if you would like the materials that go with this, you can just contact me at trey at northwoodbaptist.com, and I will send you this, uh, the materials that you can print out or read right off your tablet or computer and will help you as you learn and study the Word of God together. There is no better place for you to grow spiritually As a matter of fact, I believe with all my heart that it is the best spiritual growth that will happen in small group community. So get out there, teach the Word of God. To our Life Connection Group leaders, to our care group leaders, to our co-leaders, to other people involved with our Life Connection groups, thank you for listening. Get the word out. This is not a secret podcast. If you want to send it to someone that you think might help them, maybe somebody in your class or whatever, feel free to do that. And always, Life Connection Group leaders, be looking for other people that are great communicators, that love Jesus, love people. And so we can, when the time comes and we need to multiply, because that time will come, that we can multiply classes and involve you and make you a part. All righty, we're in Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at the first 14 verses, so go ahead and get your Bibles out. And if you have your materials, you can go ahead and do that as well. Uh, We're going to go over the sermon, take about 10 minutes to go through the message, and then we'll jump right into the discussion questions. Pastor Tommy talked about how uh, he could not find any pants that he needed for a wedding, so I had to go and buy some and never thought that he would say the words, praise the Lord for Northwoods Mall. Well, you know, we have opportunities. We have things that we can do here in the United States of America, and we consider those things the blessings, the blessings of Northwood Mall or the blessings of being able to find a pair of pants or whatever it is. Now, when you think about how blessed you are, you can't help but praise the Lord. But is blessing finding the pants that you need in 20 minutes? <laughs> of course it's not. Uh, now, we would say things like living in a free country would be a blessing or having a great family would be a blessing. But Paul didn't have any of those things. He did not live in a free country, probably a militaristic country like Rome that he lived in, where everything was gauged for you and you were at the whim of Caesar or his his government. 
Uh, how about an ideal family? We don't even know that Paul had a family at all. Uh, many think that he was probably married because of the Sanhedrin, but very possibly either his wife died or his wife and he left him a widower or his wife when he became uh, to be a Christian. And if you want to go look at 1 Corinthians 7 about some of this, you're welcome to go do that, that she might have left her and Paul in peace just let her go. We'd, he never said that he did, but he said that other believers don't ever hang on to somebody, even if it's causing all kinds of grief. But anyway, another story for another day. But Paul didn't have those blessings, but yet he was blessed. And because he was blessed, he praised the Lord and he never got over what Jesus had done in his life. And in the same way, I hope that you never get over what Jesus has done in your life either. The impact that Christ has made and what Christ continues to want to do in your life and how he wants to build your life and encourage you and 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 take the salvation that he's brought to you and make you a strong believer in Jesus Christ. Well, Paul uh, had taken the gospel to the city of Ephesus, and this is his second missionary journey, and he was there for a short time, but then he came back on his third journey, and he spent about two and a half years there. Now, Ephesus is a big city. It's probably the fourth or fifth, fifth largest city in the Roman Empire. Great commerce, great prosperity, and great worship. False worship, but great worship nonetheless. Uh, we had pilgrims. They would come from all over the empire. They traveled to Ephesus to worship at the Temple of Artem- Artemis. If you go and look in the book of Acts, you can see uh, in, uh, in uh, this uproar that happened uh, that during that time, um, you see this idea, this worship of Artemis and how important it was to the people as they sold these idols to people and made money on it. Well, Paul caused a riot in the midst of this in Acts chapter 19, and the people turning from idolatry, and what the what the shop owners were saying is that it was putting the ec- economy of the city in jeopardy. It was a hard place to be a Christian, and to think about it, that you live in a city where the economy is based on this worship of an idol, of a of a false god, Artemis. It was hard. And for Paul, here he is, as he's writing to the people in Ephesus, he's writing imprisoned. And yet in verse 3, he says, we're blessed. Blessed with every, and here's the key, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. So why are we so blessed? There's three reasons. And we're going to talk about those. When you, when you understand why you're blessed, you're going to worship God with great passion. Ephesians was a circular letter. That means that it went to many churches. And the idea was is that it was talking about how Christ has made us as the family of God into one wonderful giant family so that we could live on mission together. Um, the two parts are, the, are verse, chapters 1 through 3, and then that deals with basically understanding theology and the importance of theology. And then in verses 4 through 6, it's what we live out because of what we believe in verses 1 through 3, how we live in light of what we believe. So the first is this. This is the first uh, thing we need to look at today as we uh, deal with why are we so blessed. Number one reason, you're adopted by the Father. Paul says to the faithful saints. Now, I know that the people in Ephesus, you can imagine, all this idol worship around, they probably didn't feel like saints. And you go back in their past, they had, they, they had, had issues. And Paul says, but regardless of your past, you're a saint. Not only a saint, but blessed with every spiritual blessing. They didn't feel blessed. They felt persecuted. Spiritual blessings 
were not found in pagan worship in Ephesus. Spiritual blessings are found in Christ. Just go back through and count how many times in Christ is used in this passage. In your Life Connection group, if you want to do that, just take a few minutes in verse first 14 verses, see how many times the word in Christ is used. Everything is promised that he has given us. There's nothing more you could hope for for God to give you because he's given you everything. So this thought causes Paul to just erupt in worship. Blessed is God the Father. When Paul thinks about the blessings of God, he considers the work of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. All three persons of the Trinity are involved in your salvation. All three persons of the Trinity are also involved in the spiritual blessing that comes to your life. Think about it. God the Father chose you you in Christ before the foundation of the world, verse 4. You know, some people think that's controversial, but is it? We're predestined. We don't like that. We want free will. But God chose us for a purpose, and that purpose is to be holy and blameless, predestined to be holy and blameless. Did God bring us into a family against our will? No way. You see, remember what Pastor Tommy talked about Sunday, and I love this line. You're a horrible chooser. (laughs) Look at your life. You know, if you want an example of that, our free will makes us horrible choosers, and we do have free will. That's the problem. With your free will, you've chosen to rebel against God, and that sin seemed right in the moment, but the outcome of that choice wasn't life. What was it? There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death, and it was the way of death. Sin short-sighted, always considering the immediate, but not considering the eternal. Now, the good news is, is God knew you were a horrible chooser. So before he created you, he knew that you would sin against him. He knew that you would rebel. He knew that you would look at him and say, not your will, but mine be done. Yet knowing every rebellious choice you would make, he chose to love you anyway. He chose to actually adopt you. In other words, he chose you. That's that's the whole picture of choosing. When you adopt someone, you choose them for adoption. And that's what God did for you. He knew that you would rebel. He knew that you would look at him and say, not your will, but my will be done. He want, we want our will. Yet, think about this, knowing every single rebellious choice that you would ever make, he chose to love you anyway. He chose to adopt you. He chose to love you. He predestined you. Again, it's not about you having, not having free will. It's about adoption. God chose you for his family. So here's the question. Does that mean that I have no choice in my salvation? You absolutely did. In Acts, the Bible says believe and repent. There's choice there. Paul to the Philippian jailer said that. See, we have a responsibility to make a decision to follow Jesus, but did God choose me? Yes, he did. How does that work? Don't know. Paul didn't explain how human responsibility and predestination work together. They just do. The point is that God loves you so much that in eternity past, he chose to adopt you. Now, what about those he didn't choose? You think about it. Is that fair? Is it fair that God chose you? Well, that's hard to think about, isn't it? But regardless, Paul doesn't address that. The point is, you are adopted. If you're a part of the family of God, it's not because you deserve it, but because of the Father's love. And that's because, number two bullet point, is that God is a gracious chooser. The doctrine of election is not meant to confuse us. The doctrine of election is meant to comfort us. That you are an orphan living out in the world and living in sin and despair. This world is out to destroy, but your loving Father before the foundation of the world chooses you to, to save you from his broken world and bring you into his family. That's what happened. You don't have to earn God's favor. You have it. Enjoy it. You're his child. So, first reason, you're adopted by the Father. Second reason is this. You're redeemed by the Son. 
How could a holy God adopt an unholy people into his family? How can a great judge bring us into his family? You see, in your free will, you chose a master other than God. Sin. We worship sin. We love sin. We said willingly, I give my life to the master of my life. Sin. We're slaves. God sent his son to redeem you from your sins. We, are, we, are, we were slaves to sin, and to redeem something is to take possession of it in our exchange for payment. In, in, in context of an ancient world, redemption is a word used in reference to the purchase of a slave's freedom. Not just anything. You see, you couldn't buy yourself out of slavery. You were spiritually bankrupt. You had nothing to give, so God gave you everything. He paid a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt we could not pay. There used to be a song about that. Maybe we ought to sing it a few times. Kind of a throwback to Egypt. The firstborn of Israel, if you remember, was redeemed from slavery by the blood of a lamb. And we too have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. God purchased your freedom at the cost of his very own life. He paid the full price for your sin. Complete, done, over. Redemption is this, that Jesus paid the price for di- by dying the death that you deserve. So now you're standing before God through faith and you are forgiven and free from the penalty of sin. Not one sin does God hold against you, ever. And that was made known to us by the mystery of his will. Genesis 13, uh, 12, excuse me, the whole world blessed through Abraham. How? First century, Jews hated Gentiles. How could Abraham's descendants be a blessing to people that, that he hated? The answer is Jesus. The mystery is that Jesus, the descendant of Abraham, a son of Israel, had come to make anyone who believes right with uh, who believes that they would be right with God and right with other believers, others. God is bringing everything together in Christ. One people united in Christ who will serve him together and will serve him forever. Jesus has brought you out of sin to make you right before God so you can enjoy the gift of adoption into his family. So that's what community is about. So being Life Connection Group's leader and dealing with community all the time, I want to—I just really echoed and shouted amen when Pastor Tommy was sharing these things. And as a Life Connection Group leader, you need to remind your Life Connection Group about community. First of all, that you need your need for community is found in God's family. We all want a family to belong to. You know, I know the online gaming groups or Facebook or sports teams and all those things. You know, we go to those things and many times develop relationships there. and nothing wrong with that. But there's only one community that gives life. Don't try to find life with your traveling sports team, right? Find life in Christ. So your need for community is found in God's family. Your presence in God's family matters. It matters that you come to church and that you're a part and that you fellowship yeah, digital is helpful, and I think, you know, there are times we have to watch digital online. We did it during COVID for a few weeks of that, and we still have it up online, but it's not a substitute. Your presence is more than just coming. Your presence in the lives of people is for the sake of the kingdom. See, it's not all about you and what you get. It's what you're giving as well and the impact that you have on other people. And then third bullet point, your pres- preservation of God's family matters. The world needs to see that the church is only the only life-giving community. We don't know that when we're taking uh, that when we're taking life from each other. Excuse me. We don't show that when we're taking life from each other, right? We're the only ones. Gossip and rivalry are just commonplace among Christians. 
as unbelievers. And that's a shame. It should never be that way. How many of you have been hurt by the church? You preserve the family by understanding what God wants you to accomplish in his family and finding your place in the family. And the third, and that's third reason, has to do with the Spirit of God. Third, you are sealed by the Spirit. Our salvation is a powerful display of God's love. You're adopted by the Father. You can be sure that you have a, a future inheritance. You're guaranteed by the Spirit of God. For a Gentile believer, you're just as much a part of the promises of God as a Jewish believer. There is no difference. Don't ever have to doubt your salvation if you're a follower of Jesus. You might stray. I have. If you're a follower of Jesus, you might feel like you're not saved at times. You might feel like God doesn't love you anymore, but it's just not true because the very Spirit of God has sealed you. Seal means a mark of ownership. It's, it's, it's kind of the idea of branding cattle or branding a slave. God has sealed your heart. He owned it. The Holy Spirit is our down payment also. It's the, whole, the Spirit dwelling inside of you is this glorious thought. There's more glory to come. It's this down payment that this is just the beginning. The day when we will be united with Christ, we will see him face to face. And the Spirit inside of us is a reminder that there is more to come. He lives within us to make us more like Jesus, holy and blameless. Why? Verse 4 tells us to prepare us for future inheritance. Verse 14 says, this is all for the praise and the glory of God. The passage begins with praise and it ends with praise. Paul can't help but praise God when he thinks of every spiritual blessing that we've received in Jesus because you received every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ. There's several things we can look at. Because of that, you can be confident. First bullet point. Confident in eternal destiny. Yeah, we struggle with doubt, but we don't have to. We can have confidence in our relationship with the Father confident in our battle against sin. The one who lives in you can help you and wants to help you. How about this? You can also get back up. Not only can you be confident, you can get back up. You're sealed. You don't have to stay down when you fall. Some of us beat ourselves up and give ourselves up instead of simply acknowledging our sin and confessing and reporting and then getting back and walking in the grace of God. What about you can be bold? Acts 18.10. There are many people in that city that God has chosen, and he has chosen his church to spread that same gospel that Jesus gave us and the Apostle Paul affirmed for us. And when you share the gospel, people come to faith, so be bold, and you can be in awe. That's what Paul wants. He wants us to see how amazing our God is. And when you know how you blessed you are, you'll worship. For some of us and for some of those in your Life Connection group, God is saying, Look at me. Look at God. You're looking at everything else in this life to bring you joy. But God is saying, look at me. I'm the one that gives you satisfaction. So, in your life connection group, give thanks. Give praise. And give him your heart. If you've never trusted Christ, today can be the day that you do just that. All right, we have a few minutes to jump into the questions. So, uh, let's talk about honesty time. Uh, I like number one because it kind of gets us focused on this idea of starting with the praise and worship of God and then ending with the praise and worship of God in verses 1 and 14. Ask the question, what does it mean to worship God? So give them some. Some some might talk about music and some might talk about that time when they were at church and they began to weep or maybe they came to the altar or maybe it was just a, a powerful message or whatever. Um, but talk about their worship of God. So why is God worthy of your worship? So are we worship? And then we need to be clear that we're not worshiping the music. We're not worshiping the message. We are worshiping the one who is God himself, who is the one who is worthy of our worship. And if you understand a little bit more of that and how we live it out, you might want to go to question number two about Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, which is your spiritual service of worship.
And these verses teach us about worship and how we grow as worshipers of God. Several others there if you want to use those if they're not talking yet. Let's jump into the text. Number one, why did Paul write this letter to the church at Ephesus? Why is this letter so significant? Well, several reasons. Uh, they were writing to this these people who were in this metropolitan city, one of the fourth, fourth or fifth largest cities in the Roman Empire, who was just enamored with idol worship and even built their uh, their uh, idol worship into their economy, which is incredible to think about, that when the idol worship stopped, that somehow their economy was going to be affected. So for Paul to say, this is the one that you worship, and this is where you get your spiritual blessings from, was huge to demonstrate where they had come from and where they were going, right? All right, Ephesians 1, 3. Now, what does Paul mean when he says that we have received every spiritual blessing in the heavens of Christ? So if you go back to the first part of the message, and by the way, you're welcome to go back and look at the, these messages. It's no, no big secret there. Just open the message and start to look at that. Um, it's, it's about being in Christ. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing, regardless of whether we've been persecuted or whether we don't have everything we need. Uh, spiritual blessings are not found in pagan worship or in, in false religion. Spiritual blessings are found in Christ. So that means that everything he's promised, he has given us. There's nothing more we can hope for. It is all there foundational in the three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's the points of what we're going to talk about. Um, now, these spiritual blessings cause Paul to write words of praise regardless, regarding God's work in our lives. How does knowing that we have received every spiritual blessing lead us to worship God? Um, well, Paul considers the blessings of God, and he considers the work of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You can't help but worship God for the spiritual blessings that he has already given you. God the Father chose you before the foundation of the world. He has made us for a purpose to be holy and blameless. God brought us into his family. We are adopted into his family. And God works in us. Number three, in the verses we're studying, Paul shows how each person in the Trinity is involved in our salvation. If someone asked you to explain the Trinity to them, how would you explain the Trinity? Well, let me just go ahead and say, don't, don't ever say that uh, the Trinity is like a three-leaf clover, or the Trinity is like water, or the Trinity is like an egg, or the Trinity is like the three notes in a chord, uh, a piano chord, or a music chord, excuse me. You know, all those are okay, but they all deal with modalism. Um, but you would explain the Trinity by, the, by how they work, how each of the persons of the Trinity work in us. And each person in the Trinity has blessed us. Okay? And you can go back to what we've talked about, uh, these, these, these three reasons. Adopted by the Father, that we have been sealed by the Spirit, and, and then ultimately that we, we are um, redeemed by the Son. Sealed by the Spirit, redeemed by the Son, and adopted by the Father. That's the Trinity, and that's how the Trinity gives us spiritual blessings. If you, uh, let's see here. Why is it so significant that each person of the Trinity is involved in our salvation? Because God, all the fullness of God, every part of God, for us to be saved has to be involved. Because that's who God is. God's not working against himself. Well, Jesus, you work over there. Holy Spirit, you work over here, and I'll work over here. 
No, it's all three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working together to seal us, to bring us into his place, to redeem us, to adopt us, all those working together. God has to work together. He wouldn't be God, would he? Number four, what does Paul mean when he says we are chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world and that we are predestined to adoption? Well, remember, we're horrible choosers, and God chose us to be holy and blameless. He never brought us against his will, right? And God says, okay, we have free will, and that's the problem, because with your free will, you've chosen to rebel against God. And that sin that seemed right in that moment caused death and not life, although we thought it was going to, right? The idea of God choosing people and predestining people has been created much controversy over over the years, theological controversy. Paul obviously didn't intend to cause controversy when he said we were chosen and predestined. So how are these ideas intended to bring us comfort? Because God is the one that gives us peace knowing that he is the one who chose us forever. God did it. It's not meant to confuse us. Remember what Pastor Tommy talked about, that we were this orphan that was living in this world of sin, this world that was out to destroy us, but the loving Father before the foundation of the world chose to save you from the broken world and bring you into his family. That's a big deal. Because of that, you don't have to earn God's favor. You have it. And we can enjoy it because we belong to God as one of his children. So how would these ideas have brought comfort to believers in Ephesus? Well, the same thing. You know, that they were struggling with this idea of, you know, all this idol worship all around them. And that they had done all this bad stuff, remember? And when they thought back who they were, certainly God could have never brought them into heaven. And yet that's exactly what he did when he saved them, when he chose them out of this horrible world that they live in. Number five, how does knowing Christ, uh, excuse me, how does knowing that God adopted us to his family lead us to worship God? Well, we talked about that a little bit. Adoption is, is this idea of choice. And because God looked at us and said, I want you, that's a big deal. That ought to cause you to worship him. Uh, you might want to go look up Galatians 4, 4 through 6, and Romans 8, 15 to 17. Those are great passages that will help you understand this idea of adoption and choosing and uh, that we can also recognize what God does when he does those things for us. Okay, how does understanding the Heavenly Father's adoption also help you understand ideas like chosen by God and predestination? We don't understand it completely, but we do know that somehow, some way, God loved, to, loved us enough to save us. He loves us enough to these horrible choosers that we are to give us this idea that we are, that he is a gracious chooser, not because we deserve it, because none of us do, but that God chose us. What does it mean that Jesus redeemed us? Redeemed means bought back from slavery. I know that we don't like that word. That's a very uncomfortable word to talk about, slavery. But that's what we were. We were slaves to sin, and Jesus bought us out of it. That's what he did for us. So how does this word redemption uh, what does this word redemption mean in a biblical context? Well, we just talked about that. It's about slavery. We're redeemed from the slave of sin, and we're redeemed to live for Jesus. We're redeemed to be in the center of his will, that God will no longer hold our sin against us, and we are free to serve him. All right, what is the mystery of his will? All right, remember Pastor Tommy talked about looking back at Genesis 12? The whole world, the whole world is blessed through Abraham. How? 
In the first century, Jews hated Gentiles. So the mystery is that Abraham's ascendants can now be a blessing to the people that they hated. The answer of the mystery is Jesus. And we must understand that so that we'll all get together as the family of God to accomplish his purpose and his plan and be that light in this dark world. Number eight, what is the sealing of the Holy Spirit? Well, the sealing of the Holy Spirit has to do with a down payment. We are sealed. Nothing can ever take us away. And that seal is a mark of ownership. If you remember Pastor Tommy talking about that that's how you would brand one of your animals or brand a slave and say, that's mine. That one's mine. What does Paul mean when he says that the Holy Spirit is a down payment of our inheritance? There's more to come. If he's a down payment, that's all it is. You know, when you put a down payment on a house, you put 5%, there's 95% of your house that you have left, right? Same with the down payment of the Holy Spirit. When he is a down payment of our inheritance, there's way more to come. And it's found in Jesus Christ. It's he, the Holy Spirit, who lives in us to make us more like Jesus, holy and blameless. And he prepares us now for what we will inherit in the future. That's what he is, and that's who he, what he does. And by the way, the Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. All right? All right, let's apply the truth. Number one, why is this passage so important for believers of Jesus? Well, we talked about it. You know, as believers, when, when we've received these spiritual blessings, we can be confident. We receive the spiritual blessings, we can get back up because we've been sealed, right? We can be bold because we know that God has chosen people and, and he has chosen his church now to spread that gospel. So when you share the gospel, people will come to faith, so be bold. Why does this passage of scripture teach us that our, our and finally you can be in awe of all that God has done and what an amazing God we serve. So how do, what does this passage of Scripture teach us about our relationship with other believers in Jesus, that we're all part of the same family, that we're all blessed together? That our goal is to reach a lost and dying world together with the gospel? Now, why does the church need to be reminded of these great truths in this passage? Because there's always division. I wish I could tell you that there hadn't been. I wish I could tell you that churches didn't gossip about each other and cause division inside, but it's just not true. And we've got to be reminded that we're in this thing together. That's what we are. That's who we are. Um, well, how do verses like these inform our understanding of what the church is called to do? The church is called to be that place where people can find Jesus Christ. That church is called to be the place where we can boldly proclaim what Jesus has done for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. And we are able to share the gospel. We have boldness in sharing the gospel. That's what it's about. That goes to number four, actually. How should a passage like this give us boldness to share the gospel? Um, because God wants us to share the gospel. There are people that he, he has that he has that we are calling to come to him. No man comes to the Father except the Father draws him. And then uh, number three, we want to get back to that. How should a passage give us confidence in the faith? Because we are confident in our eternal destiny. All of us struggle with doubt, but we don't have to because we have confidence in our relationship with the Father, confidence in our battle against sin, all those things working together. All right, uh, so then what is God calling you to do in response to Ephesians 1, 1 through 14? And it might be, I need to be more bold in my walk with Christ. I need to have more awe in the majesty and the glory of God and what he's done for me. Maybe it's, you know, I've fallen down, I gotta get back up. 
Maybe it's the confidence. You know, I have to doubt anymore because of the confidence that I've found in Jesus Christ. And then, of course, how are you going to pray this week? Well, this Ephesians study is going to be glorious. If you've not had the opportunity to invite people to come be a part, do that this week. Uh, invite them to come be in church this Sunday or uh, next Sunday and just come be a part. This is going to be a glorious study. You can help them catch up. by You can send them the link of the sermon and uh, or you can send them this link for, for that matter. Uh, they're always welcome to listen, as I said, to the podcast. It's not some secret information nobody has available to them. It's just right up front. We're just trying to remind you and review what we have. So anyway, uh, do uh, contact your people. Uh, make sure that everybody's doing well. I thank the Lord that we seem to be on the downslope with this COVID, and hopefully we're going to get more and more people and be inviting them to come and be a part of your Life Connection group and be preparing and for what God has in store as we, we continue to multiply our classes and we continue to get out there and make a difference in the hearts and lives of people. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for the blessings of all good things. Lord, and it's spiritual blessings. It's not the cars we drive and the clothes we wear and the, the shoes we wear and the education we have. It is the spiritual blessings of God that we are sealed by the Spirit of God, that that we are redeemed by the Son of God, that we are adopted by God the Father, that He chose us before the foundation of the world to live for Him and please Him and, and to be holy and blameless like Him. Thank you, God. If all that you had ever done was save us, that would have been enough, but you have done so much more, and that is the spiritual blessings that we have available to us. Thank you, God. We love you. Use us if there's anybody in our classes, Life Connection Group, that doesn't know you save and order their lives. May this be the day when they surrender to him. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, God bless you. If you have any questions, just contact me, Trey, at northwoodbaptist.com, and I'll be sure to help you. Have a great Sunday.